0: welcome to the pro-life team podcast i'm jacob Barr, and i'm here with diana we're going to be talking about some of the stories in her journey over 50 years of pro-life work from the indian reservation in arizona to a maternity home ministry in ethiopia um diana i'm excited to have you on the pro-life team podcast would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a small group of pregnancy clinic leadership, um, executive directors?
1: That's my favorite thing. Thank you for having me on. Sure. Um, well, Dinah Monahan and, um, I have been, uh, in the movement since before Roe v. Wade and, um, actually I probably am best known as the daughter of the mother of the precious feet okay. because my mother, Virginia Evers, created the precious feet and uh, everybody knows about them. And then my parents started Heritage House. However, I now have a new title because my son Brandon took over and he, he did Bright Course. He's done doing amazing things. He took over from my husband and I and we took over from my parents. So now I'm the daughter of the mother of the precious seed and I am Brandon Monahan's mother. So Perfect. that's where I stand in the middle. Those, that's my identity. But I have been involved for a lifetime. Really. I've been involved. I have the incredible uh, perspective of being there when Roe passed, having been working in California in pro-life and, uh, and trying to, uh, uh, educate people because California are, was uh, had abortion before Roe v. Wade. It was that state had abortion, and then um, Roe passed, and now I stand at the other end, 50 years later, and I have the incredible privilege of seeing Roe fall, 50 years later.
0: Yeah, so, so I've been in it a long time. Let's. I want to ask you um, a couple of questions about Roe falling. So. I'm going to start off with the emotion question first. What was your emotional reaction to hearing that Roe was being overturned? Like, how, well, how did that hit you?
1: <laughs> uh, it took a while. It really did take okay. a while. I was it, just shocked and, and walking around, and then this real, it, 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 <laughs> it makes me cry now. You know
0: like that, it happened so quick, um, right? I like, never, it, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. Yes. I thought it was going to happen um, when my children were my age. I didn't realize it was going to happen in my life. Honestly, I didn't think it was going to happen in my lifetime. I, I thought it would happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen this soon. And Well, I'm
1: on the other end, I didn't think it would happen because I thought that uh, Pandora's box had been opened. And there was okay. no way in the, this culture that we're in that you could close that again. Uh, I just I couldn't even imagine it, and and yet because of the appointments on Supreme Court, uh, it happened. And so you're you're right, it happened so fast. So um, I just sort of stand in awe of God that it was at 50 years. Uh, it was yes, that yeah, the...
0: 49 and a half. Like it was in the 50th year. Um, yes, which 50... is so biblical for something yes. like that to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just and then you just sort of sit back and smile and say, "Wow, God, wow, thank you," you know. But then our work is still cut out for us. There's no rest. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's no everything shifts, but yeah. And so, yet, everything funny. doesn't shift.
0: Yeah, the word Go "rest" ahead. is interesting. Um, on my way to do this podcast with you, I was listening to um, Hebrews, and it was talking about the Israelites' journey to find rest and how he, well, they essentially didn't get to go to rest because they were in the, in the desert for 40 years. But like, it was talking about how, like, you know, after God did all this work, he rested and how like the goal line for believers is to find rest. Like, that's like, that's what we should be striving to be is in God's rest. And so um, I think this has been a year of Rest after such a long fight, but yeah, you're right, now it's time to get back to work and to keep working and um, but yeah, trying to find God's rest in the midst of all the work.
1: I think a whole I think an awful lot of uh, people, directors like we're talking to, um, their rest was, if there was any, was very short-lived, <laughs> because especially in the states where now they're passing these radical. Hmm. radical pro-abortion bills in the states that want to become, uh, abortion, uh, destination sites. And it, yes. I mean, our sisters and brothers in the battle in these states, oh my gosh, D- there is no rest. And having to be ever vigilant here in Arizona, we had, a, we had good pro-life laws, but we just got a committed pro-abortion Democrat in governorship. And, uh, Oh, are, are we still have uh, a fight? And, and there's two levels of this in in the looking at the rest because that's the political fight. Which, man, yeah. you stand back and you look at that and you say it's almost capricious. No, it takes a lot of work. But in the end, I, I'll never forget when Clinton got in and oh, we had worked and and for all of these laws and we were feeling pumped because we had a lot of good progress. And literally within two days, he struck down all of our progress. So we look at that and we think, you know, and that for me, it was a seminal point moment because I looked at it and although I believe in political action, I really do. I look at it and I say, it is so tenuous. It's so tenuous. It's wherever the, the wind blows. And so totally recommitted to, um, we're called to work in uh, sharing life and sharing the gospel uh, mm. one person at a time. I know that sounds yeah. trite, and yet I have— No, I don't think um, so. I 50, think it
0: makes—it's very practical.
1: It Well, I got 50 years to look back on. Okay. So the babies that were born, to, to in we take girls in. Uh, for six years, we took girls in three at a time into our home. We just— Uh, And so those babies are now in their 30s and early 40s. And so, uh, yeah, 30. Let's see. The oldest one, that first girl we took in, and that's a story. That's a miracle. But that young lady, the first girl we took in, her uh, daughter is now maybe um, 36. That would be the oldest of these girls we took in.
0: So, so are, you,
1: are you
0: Are yeah. you able to share that miraculous story, or is that something you have to keep oh, somewhat confidential? Or um, how much can you share?
1: No, I can share all of it. She and I have oh, spoken perfect. together. Oh, I uh yeah, it is to watch God's hand. Um wow, because my husband and I were utterly clueless. But uh, it's a young woman named Tina and M- Mike and I. Our kids were little. Uh, if, if any of the listeners know Brandon, he was just a little toe headed guy, maybe is he like 40.
0: What, how old is he now? 42, 44? I don't, really don't know. Don't ask
1: me that. I forget. Okay. <laughs> I got five kids, 26 grandkids, and don't remember dates. But anyway,
0: well, I would guess he's he in his 40s. So he feels like he's my age and I'm 44, so I'm he gonna is, guess he's in that yeah, ballpark. Yeah,
1: he is. He is. i do not really know. And, I'm guessing. And so, is that awful? And so, anyway, he, um, but he was just a little guy, and his brother was a baby, and so there were three at the time. And so we we actually started by taking in a runaway, but then after, and then that sort of opened our hearts to this concept. And then a young woman, um, he came uh, and. Uh, Tina, she first she lived with us. She just she literally told her parents, if you don't find somewhere for me to go, I'm gonna call CPS myself. Mm. <laughs> so her parents uh, she was a shirt tail relative. I didn't even know her, but remembered an Aunt Ginny over there in Arizona and that's how this whole thing got started. Uh, so she is some uh, somewhere down the line kind of relative. But anyway, so Tina uh, so she came to live with Mike and I. And so she, she did her, I think it was her sophomore year, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So she went to high school, everything was fine. So we took her in and then she went home and she, she was raped at a party. And then after that, um, and she was raped by someone of a different ethnicity. And so she, you know, she didn't know if that was that baby's or she had a boyfriend and it was his baby. And what Mm -hmm. a mess, what a mess we've made of life for these kids. I'll tell you anyway. So she didn't know. And so, um, we knew we would know when baby was born. Um, but we didn't, there was no DNA or testing or anything like that then. And so, uh, he came back to live with us and she, uh, went through her pregnancy and decided to place for adoption okay. so um, now look at all of the all of this all of the threads of this tapestry that are just waving out in the wind and then how God so beautifully wove them in because we didn't know anything about adoption and so my mom comes back from a pro-life event and says, oh, I just met two of the." Sw- Sweetest people, they're a couple and they can't have children and they want to adopt and oh I think I have their name on a slip of paper somewhere here. So she handed me the paper and we called them. And um and let uh let me go back to one step. I knew someone in town who wanted to adopt. They would not take the risk of this baby being biracial. Mm. And which just I didn't know people thought like that. But anyway, and yeah. so then so 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 I contacted them. Well, they didn't care at all. Um, They were thrilled. And so the Bynums, um, it was Pierre and Christina Bynum. And um, they, so they talked with Tina and we worked out the adoption. And I think we went through uh, like Bethany Christian Services or something. And on their end, and so we worked out the adoption. And then he had, uh, Catherine is the baby's name, and and then they came and flew out, and we had a blessing ceremony, which I did. I've done fifty over fifty adoptions since then. That was the first, and we had this beautiful blessing ceremony, and they took little Catherine home with them, and Tina stayed with us and finished her senior year, and is by the way still all these years later uh, very dear to me, and we are still connected. Okay, now. Catherine goes back with Pierre and Christine Bynum. Well, they were so moved by the story uh, of Catherine's life and of Tina, and they were so moved by Tina's, oh, her courage in doing this, that they decided to start a pregnancy center. Now, okay. that was back when there weren't that many. I mean, we didn't, we had some birthrights, and then we had. Christian Action Council was what Karen is now, and they had a few, but it was not the machine, the well oiled machine it is now. And so they decided to open in Maryland to open the Catherine Foundation. Okay. They opened the Catherine Foundation, and through that, through this adoption, through Tina and what happened to her, I can't even tell you how many thousands of babies have been saved and how many. Thousands of young women's trajectories of their life have been changed because they heard the gospel and they received uh, help. And so now that baby, who is now a grown woman, Catherine, she walks with the Lord, loves the Lord, and she has six kids of her own. So that's just the hand of God.
0: Wow. And so, the, and the Catherine Foundation, I just looked it up online, and it's actually a project that my my group has worked on their website. So, it's a small world. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a small world.
1: Yeah, we're um, a pretty tight-knit family, but but yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, and I was just so, I was in awe. And that kicked off our whole pro-life, you know, working with the young women, which is always where I landed.
0: Okay. Well, so... So so tell me another let's let's go to another story another story of yeah in the in the historical yeah like another part of the history of the pro life world and your journey in this over these 50 years what's another story that comes to mind that you'd like to share with executive directors
1: um well uh let's see when i <laughs> When I first started a pregnancy center in, um, and it was down in our little town of Taylor. It was in a little trailer, uh, across the street from my parents' house. And it was, uh, it was just tiny and Oh, and, and so, and it was not very professional, just saying, but we lived in a very, very rural community and we were the only center there. And, um, I always had a motto: "You do the best you can with what you have." You know, you don't wait till it's perfect. You use what you have, and that's what I had. And so I had a, a young woman who um, called. Let me think. Was she in, anyway? She oh no. So she contacted me, and she was pregnant. And it was when I had this little tiny uh, place, and she was pregnant, and. Um, I gave her the pregnancy test and she told me her, it was actually, she was being raised by her grandmother and she said her grandmother would kill her. She would just kill her. And mm. so, uh, I, uh, I just talked to her and encouraged her. She chose, uh, her grandmother had made an appointment. She called me up. She said she like death for an abortion. And she said, I'm afraid she'll throw me in the trunk and drag me there. And mm. so now, my brother at the time was the police chief of Taylor. And again, this is a town of maybe 2000, but he's the okay. police chief. And so uh, my husband and I took her in. This before we were taking girls in. We took her in and we hid her. And, um, and I did have her call uh, her grandmother and just say, I'm safe. And that was it. And anyway, okay. well, my brother got a, a missing persons report, <laughs> and so he's looking for this girl. And she's at our house. And so, oh my
0: goodness,
1: uh, her her grandmother reneged, and and then I was with her when she delivered, and her grandmother was standing, oh, probably ten fifteen feet away, and I was coaching her, and her grandma came up to me at, uh Help saw that baby, held that baby, and looked at me and said, tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, I, I am so grateful. She said, sometimes we do things we're ashamed of, and I'm mm-hmm. ashamed of what I did. She said, I am so grateful for what you did. And she helped me in my little clinic. For years, she would put panels in jeans when that's what they used to do, sew panels in jeans. And she just helped any way she could. And that baby is now probably eh, in his 30s.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, what is is a panel in a jean? I don't know what that
1: means. (laughs) Anybody who is my age or even 60 years or older remembers we used to sew stretchy panels with elastic in jeans. So you'd cut out a... Uh, you, a dip in the jean oh. cut out the zipper and then put it in and it accommodated mom's belly trust me we would never have worn the stretchy clingy things that show the belly buttons that I would they wear now <laughs> we wore very blousey over yeah uh it it sort of amazes me but anyway but that, but that's what she did so so again again um you know so many times i i I've, I've, I've said to women you know how you feel now and your fears now are not reality they're not you know and that so many things can change but you never can undo the decision you make and i've seen it over and over and over
0: mm. it's, that's, and that's and that's so true and it holds true every time um and, and i think that's even you know it, Abortion is something that people, you know, they they, they pursue it, but they don't realize that in just a few months or, yeah, in a few months, they'll have an infant and that infant, you know, changes everything. And if if they can, if they would just wait until they have the infant, they would have a very different emotional response to what's going on in that scenario. And then that, and it's a long term, it's it's a long game because, you know, from that point forward, you know, they're, you know, always, Glad that they chose life, um, and that and that abortion oh, no, no. decision is a very short, short term um, thing yeah. that that they might feel yeah, like it's okay.
1: Yeah, although I have to say, not always. And anyone of anybody listening, uh, all right. If you rolled your eyes, stop it. It's th- because we deal with we deal with women who have so many problems, and when they have those okay. babies. Um, it's there are problems. I well, I started a maternity home. I started three centers uh, in the White Mountains of Arizona. And one of them's on an Indian reservation, the only one on an Indian reservation. Well, I have a funny story about that, but anyway, and uh, and it's still going. And then a maternity home up here in the White Mountains. We took girls from all over the country. It's very secluded, lovely. It was great, but uh, anyway, but I did have. It was hard because we got young women who had a lot of emotional problems. They've got this baby, and what do you do? But you do it case by case, and you trust God, and you get through. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, you deal with really um, tough life circumstances, and that's one of the challenges. And also, it's just as a Christian, we, we walk in it. Man, we're mucking in it with our shoes are in the mess in so many of these young women's lives. On the other hand, we walk above it because we have an eternal worldview. And so we're able to walk above it and we're able to, to continue doing it, not being sucked in because of the messes that we deal with. And this culture has created so many of these messes. They've taken every safeguard out. They've taken everything out that, the, that, would, um, that I knew in the 60s when I was in high school, and uh, it just, you had cultural norms that were safeguards. And, they, and uh, they're just gone. It's all gone. So anyway, but I was going to tell a funny story. Cause,
0: uh, yeah, let's, <laughs> uh, tell the funny uh, story about the Indian Reservation Clinic. That sounds yeah, the, interesting.
1: Yeah, the, <laughs> they'll appreciate it. So I, we, uh, we had Apache, we were down with the Apaches. And uh, the Apache, White River Apache Indian Reservation, it's a tough place it had the highest uh, murder rate per capita in the country one year. And I couldn't believe that, but I checked it out and it was true. And it had a 1700% higher suicide rate than anywhere else in the country. So, um, but anyway, but um, we opened up there. In fact, I had a friend who was a Christian, an FBI agent, and that was his beat. And he took me around beforehand to give I don't know what he was thinking, but he'd say, "Oh, in this house, he he uh, decapitated his uncle, and in this house, someone was shot." And this, I'm just listening to him, and I'm like, "What are you trying to do? <laughs> what are you trying to say?" But God went before us, and we opened, and uh, and so and we, it was amazing the impact that we had. But um, I had y- you you have cultural issues that um, anybody going into that doesn't understand, and I. So I had a gal who I'd hired for a director and um, she's talking to me later. And she says, um, well, she had a lot of problems and I I didn't know what to do. Now this is the director who was a Christian who went to church, but she took her to the, she took this young lady to the medicine man, the shaman to help solve her problems. And I'm like, I don't think I put in the policy and procedure manual not to take people to the shaman for help. <laughs> so just like, yeah, that annoyed.
0: wouldn't have it was always I wouldn't have cow. thought of that either. So what ha- so what happened there?
1: Well, actually, um I don't even remember. She's she we she left and then another director came and then very hard. Um because pro-life is a culture. You know that when you hire people who've never, ever, ever been in that culture. It's very hard. But we were blessed. Uh, the, the gal I hired is still running uh, running it. And w- I'll tell you what else is interesting. We did a lot of pregnancy tests down there. And we had an ultrasound machine. And, and then we noticed them dropping off and dropping off. And we're like, this is weird. What's going on? Well, we found out what was going on. The, uh, the Native Americans used to, they understood genocide, they understood, uh, I mean, you couldn't even get birth control through IHS, Indian Health Services, but now, uh, but it started shifting as, you know, as the, the the dark side started making inroads and working in and, and so it started shifting, and then when we noticed the pregnancy test going down, they were giving Depo-Provera shots to the high school uh, mm-hmm. students without their parents' knowledge. And so mm-hmm. that's when, we, you know, we noticed the numbers drop. But what we did that was just incredibly valuable and still are doing is the uh, we did a lot of parenting because I wrote Earn While You Learn, and we used it down there. And uh, it was that was unbelievable because culturally they'd had a lot of parenting uh just uh ways of parenting that were very negative that like eye contact with their children it it just didn't happen and they sort of spun in their own orbit and lots of stuff that just got passed down generationally and the impact we saw was incredible and uh and then you know of course we started to earn while you learn where uh, instead of giving them stuff which doesn't help anybody. Keeps people in a victimhood mentality. But instead of that, we opened this big, beautiful store, and they were able to shop, and we got lots of stuff because there's lots of agencies that would help because it was uh, you know, on a res, and they were able to shop. And they've got clothes and uh, cribs and everything they needed for their babies, but they learned, and they learned different ways to parent. And I have seen over the years the dramatic impact in families, because
0: of that. So I want to go back to when you said that you noticed that the pregnancy test numbers were dro- had dropped. That's interesting. That mm-hmm. well, one that you were tracking it with the idea that if it, it, and then you had the reaction that when it, when less people came in to get pregnancy tests, that there was something wrong, or you were trying to figure mm-hmm. out like what caused that trend change. Um, yep. So did that? So the number of tests dropping is, and how did you find? You know, how did you find that they're taking the, the Depra Nova shots? Or how did you go about experience, You know, learning that after you noticed the, the data change?
1: Oh, because because down there, there's no secrets. Okay. D- down there, it, because so someone found, you know, would say, well, my, a teenager should say, oh, they gave me a shot. Mom would say, what was it? Then they found out. And, yeah, they're giving Depra Provera shots. Which, you know, they don't tell them the risks. Infertility is one of the risks and uh so anyway you find out you know and and so uh and then and then uh we got our our center was burned down
2: (laughs) burned (laughs) down
1: yeah it was burned down oh my it's been a wild ride yeah it was burned down and um and but it wasn't because of anything to do with abortion uh it had to do with um we had a we had a men's program, and we called it Warrior Bucks. We didn't give them daddy money. We gave them Warrior Bucks, okay. and it was run by a guy who was just he was wonderful. And uh, and they would come in and they would do classes, a men's fraternity and different classes, and they would get Warrior Bucks for it. And then I had people donate, and I would get thousands of dollars worth of men's things like sports things and tools and uh oh, cool. outdoor kind of things and they would spend their wire bucks on these things was a wonderful program it was an amazing program and um and we had 30 40 50 men and um but anyway but um there's uh so many good people down there but there but there's a violent element down there that and everybody suffers because of it and so they broke in and anyway they burned the place down and they were after my hmm. my goodies, so from my um, earn while you learn program. So it was a wild ride, but we rebuilt. So
0: wow, that is a wild ride. <laughs> um, so what was it, what was it like after you experienced that? You know the you know burning down, and what was what was what was that journey like to rebuild? Like what did that look like?
1: I you know I'm I'm going to press it this with. I have a motto I want on my headstone. It's called God took care of his idiots," because (laughs) I just go through and blunder through and uh, I'm looking at this, trying to figure out what we're doing and actually it only burned down half. So we were looking at maybe fixing the other half, but then they came and burned down the other half. So (laughs) then we're saying we're starting. Oh,
0: I know. I know. They came back and burned the other half.
1: The other half. (laughs) Yeah. I know I'm laughing. I wasn't laughing then. I was crying. But. With that, uh, we have to go in front of the, uh, you know, in front of the council, and and actually the leadership of the council at that point was very. Um, they just didn't like any outsiders, and so that when we went, um, uh, I just, we didn't show. We had our people. We had wonderful Apache staff, and they they went and asked for it, and there was opposition from the leadership, but the, it was amazing because all the people in the council stood against them because they'd all had kids who'd benefited. they benefited. Their, You know, nieces, nephews had benefited
2: mm. and they
1: knew that, you know, we were not taking anything from them. We were adding to them and so they gave us permission and then I bought a used four, modular, but in four pieces, but I forgot to ask what it would cost to move it up the mountain. <laughs> That's what I mean by God took care of his idiot, because then, you know, then and but it all God provided and we moved it up. And so that's what we're in now. Wow. And it's been broken into. So it's really a challenge down there. But but you know what? Unbelievable opportunity to change people's lives. These young women come in and they want to know. Uh, parenting. And they want to earn and they want to get things for their babies and they learn. And in the beginning, they want the things. After a while, they just love the learning. And they, you know, connect with the the uh, client advocates that are, who are there. So anyway, so it's still going, chugging along. So,
0: so when it comes to, you know, the the burning down of half and then the other half and being broken into how would you reflect on the verse in the Bible that says what what some meant for evil God used for good how would how does how has that been shown in your story
1: <laughs> oh over and over and over and <laughs> over again <That's laughs> I <awesome>. don't know <laughs> I just look at it and I, I you know you never know what would have happened if, uh, staying there you just you, we don't get to write the ending to any story but where we are now um, is, uh, I think everybody just seeing God's favor in us rebuilding. We didn't build, we moved four things on, but in all of that happening and, uh, and we're still there, we're still there. And uh, they're still changing hearts and they're still working with people. And, and the community trusts us and the community um, knows that what we do is good. And so anyway, awesome. it's, there's nothing easy. Any, any directors out there will tell you um, there's the romanticizing of this whole ministry. And then there's the reality of this whole thing. And, and it's, it's sometimes it's not easy. It's, it's but in, but in the end, how many people, now I'm just, I, I have a high school education and yet I can be, I, and this has happened many times, but I'll just give you one where I'm in Walmart here, which is like the center of our universe and the vortex, you know, I'm in solo, which okay. is the big city of about yeah. probably 10, 15,000 and, and Ro- Walmart's the center of our universe. So I'm in Walmart and I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around to see a young lady and she's got a little, um, maybe a two year old in her basket. And she said, you don't remember me. And she said, but I came to see you. And I was going to abort, but I decided not to and this this little boy is is the light of my life, Aww. and I just want to say thank you. but how many how many ministries do we get to see that outcome? Mm. You know doctors do the nurses do because they're there, yeah. uh, but not someone like me who just has a high school education who's just has a passion for this and yet babies are alive because God was able to put me at a point in time in someone's life. Lots of babies.
2: Oh that's that's good.
0: an amazing thing. Well and a lot of times doctors may not get to see see the yeah, see the baby several years later and but just to be able to, yeah, just to be able to see that I'm part of that person's story and helping them you know, have, have their first birthday, and now, you know, here, and here they are with seven or eight birthdays and just having joy and life mm-hmm. and all that comes with that. That's amazing.
1: No, and think about it now those babies have babies. In fact, right. the story of Tina, uh, she went on to marry man. They, because of her adoption, she ended up adopting a sibling group of five, being her husband. Um, they took in foster kids. But her natural-born 16-year-old uh, got into some trouble. Now, my, she came to us at 16. And then she calls us all those years later. This is not the baby she had with us. This is She was placed for adoption. This is her baby that she was, her and her husband were raising, she got into trouble. And I just was, it was incredible because she said, Dinah, could she come live with you? And I'm thinking, man, I'm feeling old. So I'm taking the children. Of the girls, who first girls oh. who came and lived with us, and she lived with us for a while, and actually got a lot of things sorted out, and went back a very different young lady. So anyway, wow. What an incredible, exhilarating journey to be part of something like this.
0: That is an that is an that is an awesome. So you yeah. So you helped Tina, and then you helped Tina's future child or her second or future child. Um, yeah wow yeah that's that is awesome
1: god do you talk about you know god stories they're just uh they're they're everywhere and any of those directors know because they walk in miracles we we had a sign over um <coughs> in our main office and it sort of said we walked in miracles and we walked in miracles um we walked in daily we walked in miracles. We, I remember once a, an apathy girl came in with her mother, and <coughs> she was adamant. She wanted an abortion. So they called me into the room, last-ditch effort. So I sat down with her, and, and it was interesting because her mother was ambivalent but very reticent to say, no, don't have this baby. I took her aside later, and she had had an abortion. Didn't, didn't want her daughter to have the abortion, but felt she had no right. And so we were able to talk and and shed some truth on that. But anyway, with that said, uh, she agreed to an ultrasound and we gave her an ultrasound and her that baby was truth. In fact, I just uh, connected with the grandmother on Facebook about a month ago and she was saying, you don't remember me, do you? I hear that a lot. Uh, And she relayed the story. And you bet I do. The baby. In in its womb, mom is watching, lifted both hands and clapped. Just clapped. Mama changed her mind, and I got invited to that baby's first birthday. And now, just last month, I talked to the grandma, and of course, that baby is now a young man and their delight. So, you know, we who gets to do this where we change generations? We can impact generations that wouldn't be there. It's, yeah. the, the pro-life movement is a sacred calling. It's I don't when you're in the trenches, it's hard to see it. But I think when I've been you know in it so long and to have so many stories unfold, and I get mm-hmm. to see second generation and <clears throat> actually, some am third. These mom lives with me. The baby grew up. they have, yeah, yeah. I when you get to see that, you realize what a sacred. Amazing calling this is. i It is just unbelievable to have this kind of impact.
0: So, yeah, anyway. if you think about it, the the second and third generation, you know, those are well, it, someone doesn't get to the twentieth generation any other way except by going through the first and second and third. And exactly. so it, there's no, there, yeah, and, sort of like, you know, we're essentially we're trying to help save. Um, families more so than a child it's an entire family tree of connections that you know that that could be (laughs) stopped short through an abortion or they could be preserved through through a life decision yeah Yeah.
1: that's we have we know when we know that on the back of that tapestry, it's the most tangled looking thing you've ever seen. But on the front, it is beautiful. But, and that's the tapestry God is weaving because he sees all those generations forward. And he places us in that room with that girl for that time. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing calling. And, you know, I, I want to just say something um, yes. uh, about because God has he has been so good to us and uh, my husband and I, uh, he passed away six years ago, but um, before he passed away, the five years, six years before he passed away, uh, he, he and I, maybe seven, he and I went to, um, took a trip to Ethiopia, and we had no idea why we were going. We literally looked at each other with suitcases packed, and someone said, why are you going? And we looked at each other and said, why are we going? And we met up with someone we'd never met who had a ministry there. And uh, so we're in Ethiopia, we, and, and God brought in front of us over and over and over pregnant women who had nowhere to go. And over there, over here, uh, they have so many safety nets. And I started a maternity home and ran it for 20 years over here in the White Mountains. Um, so then I've retired, and then I'm over there, and I'm listening to these stories and looking at where they lived. And, and, and it's just stunning to me. But anyway. So we went not knowing where we were going. By the time we left, um, we had started a maternity home in Ethiopia. And it um, ran for five years, and every one of those babies were slated for abortion.
0: And actually, oh, wow. I'm still
1: doing it, but a different way. I'm leaving, actually, in 10 days to go back. So anyway, um, but you see that bloodlust, that evil bloodlust that is Planned Parenthood is also Marie Stokes in uh in, in in africa and so you said mary uh, stopes what is have, mary stopes it is the planned parenthood equivalent it's a woman uh she would be the uh equivalent margaret. of margaret sanger
0: oh my goodness yeah. i didn't she's, i've never heard about Mary before
1: <laughs> yeah she's the equivalent of margaret sanger and they have um they have abortion clinics all over And oh, I got to tell you a funny story. So anyway, I don't
2: know
1: if this is going the way you wanted to go, but anyway. Oh, that's perfect. So we're (laughs) we're in Ethiopia, and they Marie Stokes, uh, the abortion clinic, they put a blue star, not the star David, but a five twenty. They uh, they put a blue star. Any business where they have gone in and given them pamphlets, they give them a blue star. And, and they display it and women know they can go in there to get uh, abortions and so oh. I'm looking at that I, I, yeah oh yeah they've got it nailed they're, they're so busy in Africa you know um, and, and it's the most oh it's the most it's racist
2: it is hmm. so racist
1: they're poor they're disadvantaged let's just let's just uh, hmm. both both Infertility, they have a lot of things that result in infertility and also let's abort their babies. So anyway, but I'm looking at these stars and I'm thinking, all right, we need our own symbol." So we developed a sticker that ha- is the equivalent of, I'm, "I'm a child, not a choice," in two languages, or American or Romo, which are the two major languages there. And anyway, and, uh, and there's these little things called bijages and they look like beetles on motorcycle. Uh, fronts. They're three-wheeled and that's where every, they look like, if you've ever seen them, they're, that's how everybody gets around. So you hop into a Bajaj and you go around. Well, they're they're like scurrying around, like beetles scurrying around. So we printed up these big stickers, probably 12 inches across ovals. And um, and we went out and we stuck them on the back of all the... They, we asked them. They were all excited. So all the. They just wanted something cool. All these bizarre, hundreds of Bajaj drivers had this sticker stuck on the back of their, um, of their little Bajajs and, and all over the city. So we had a pro-life statement all over the city and a number they could call. It was pretty cool.
0: Wow. It was just,
1: you know, it's just like seeing something and just don't throw your hands up. Just look for a creative way to deal with it and to counter it. And um, in fact, I'm going back the tents to meet with some very committed pro-lifers to start an organized pro-life organization. And Raul uh, Reyes is coming and he's going to talk to them about how to present the pro-life message. And then we're going to also work with women. See, because now what's happening, it's not the Muslim women uh, who are getting abortions because they are very pro-life. It, so it is the Christian women and the um, Orthodox women who are getting abortions, and they don't know. They just know it ends the problem, and and so, so and then the emotional impact happens. And so we are. I'm going to be training ten women in in how to um, work with women in post-abortion and how to get this, in, how to get the word out, because it's such a, a shameful thing, women won't admit it and yet there's so many women suffering in the church and so that's our challenge if anybody wants to keep us in prayers and then the third thing we've done is we're working with women who change their mind on abortion these girls because our people are out there in front of the abortion clinics some of them get threatened with their life and they're out there and these girls change their mind and so we house them for a year and i'm working on a it's always a challenge because then what do you do so we're working on that too so my, I don't know, for whatever reason, God moved my interest into Africa and into Ethiopia, which is an amazing country, amazing history. And, um, and so just carrying this thing international. So that's what we're doing.
0: Wow. That's a, that's, that is an, a, that's an amazing story. And it's intriguing how you went to Ethiopia without really um, Did not know. An, under, an understanding of why you were going, which is even more intriguing. <laughs> yeah.
2: um,
0: and when if you, you reflect know, back something. on that, like, what do you think about that today? Like, you know, you know, where do you see God's fingerprints in that decision?
1: Oh, well, I tell you what, I see God's fingerprints in um, one of my grandsons, who uh, and we did our maternity home did not. We weren't there to place for adoption. We t- helped the mothers like raise their children. But one of the mamas said, "I can't raise him." Came to me and had met my daughter-in-law Brandon and his wife had met them because they had been over there and said, I want to place my baby with them. I want to place with them. And I said, well, it's gotta be God because that's a really hard thing to do. And it was getting harder. And, and, hmm. uh, nine months later, that baby was in my arms.
0: Was that so, Samuel or
1: it's, Samuel. Yes. And, oh, he loves to hear that. I word. actually
0: just had lunch oh, yes? with yeah Samuel with Brandon um, a few weeks ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Did okay. Really
1: Well, that is, and that wasn't the end reason. I, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to say that was the end reason, but that was one of those parts of the threads in the tapestry that yes. uh, just, uh, I just look at and, and it was a total surprise to me. I did not, uh, you know, I I didn't even think about it, so it it came to us as a gift, absolutely Aww. a gift that we'd never even entertained. And then others, are, I'm on Facebook, believe it or not, with some of the girls, and and uh, I they're just they all they can say is we love you, I love you, Dinah, <laughs> or they can <laughs> put the little heart emoji. But trust me, they, <laughs> I hear from them. I can't even tell you what a blessing that is for me. Just oh. know these girls, and they many of them are walking with the Lord, and it's hard; it's a struggle there. But
0: well, thank you. I don't this know. has been such a good experience or time hearing your stories. Would so to, to wrap up this podcast, would you um, would you say a prayer that those who are listening could pray along as you know praying for praying for the work and the space that we all find okay. ourselves in in this pro life world.
1: I will. I'd be honored. Let's go. Lord Jesus, oh, Father in Heaven, we come before you. And first, Father, we just thank you for being put in a place where we can make a life and death uh, different for these young women, both here on Earth, for their children, and for eternity. What a privilege to do this work. And Lord, I lift up the directors and the client advocates who are listening to this father and Lord, if they're discouraged because it comes with so many problems, Lord, I pray that you would just gently lift them up and let them see beyond the discouragement to the blessings. Lord father, I pray that as these women walk um, through (coughs) the, the ministry, Daily ministering to each of these women, and it's exhausting, that, Lord, you would be their strength. Father, that you would be their sustenance, Lord, that you would just remind them that sometimes that tapestry looks awfully messy from the back, but you are always, always, always weaving something beautiful for your glory and for the blessings on generations. And, Lord, I thank you, and I pray that they, these people who are on the front lines, Lord, they have an understanding, a true knowledge of the privilege. We know the responsibility, but, Lord, also the privilege and the joy of being used in such an amazing way. Bless each person listening, Lord. Bless them, lift them, them up, encourage them, Lord, as they bless so many others that you put in their path in jesus
0: name amen amen well thank you diana this has been just an absolute pleasure to hear your story and just to see your heart for for those who are broken and in need and um and vulnerable and um just in need of a a hand and help and love and care and so it's yeah thank you so much for being on here today um yeah, I oh, really enjoyed hearing I your stories. It.
1: Oh, well, if you want to call me back sometime, i got a lot more.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> sounds good.
1: All right. God bless you. God bless uh,
0: you, too. All yeah. right. Bye, Dinah. All right. Bye-bye. Our sponsor for this episode is Patriot Insurance. Running a pregnancy center can sometimes feel like a whirlwind. But you shouldn't feel alone. Patriot Insurance has been helping the pro-life community since 1989. They have your back so you can focus on what matters most, saving the lives of babies and mothers. Supporting our sponsors like Patriot Insurance supports the Pro-Life Team podcast. Thank you.
2: Lord, it's my shepherd, I shall not be in want, I shall not be in want, he makes me lie down in green he leads me by quiet, blue. yeah, the walk through darkness, Dallas, you are me, I'm me, mean. your protection and guidance are comforting me, everywhere.